everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. A little later in the show, we're going to talk with Dean Elizabeth Moji of the University of Michigan School of Education about Governor Whitmer's expected announcement today that the rest of the school year, for public schools at least, is going to be canceled. We're going to talk about what that means from an academic perspective, but also from a social and cultural perspective. What does that do to our kids taking away for the rest of the school year the prospect of interacting with each other the way that they do in school? You're going to want to stay tuned for that conversation, which will get started at just about half past the hour. We'll also be joined a little later by Senator Debbie Stabenow, a Democrat from here in Michigan, who is going to talk some about the stimulus package that's coming out of Washington that's aimed at helping families and small businesses in particular uh, deal with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We want to start off, though, by continuing partially the conversation that we had yesterday, which was about the expansion of unemployment benefits under the federal stimulus. Today, we want to turn our attention to that other aspect of the $2 trillion package, specifically what it will mean for Michigan small businesses and families. And joining us to kick off that conversation is Congressman Andy Levin, who is a Democrat who represents Michigan's 9th District. Uh, Andy, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So let, let's start with the news, though. The headlines uh, in, in all of the local media are about Governor Whitmer asking for a 70-day extension of the emergency declaration here in Michigan. This is starting to to be a much longer ordeal than I think most people had maybe prepared for. I want to get your reaction to that announcement. Well, I think Governor Whitmer has tried to stay out ahead of this uh, from the beginning, um, and I think her... Uh, announcement yesterday was prudent. I mean, our numbers are still climbing here, uh, and the uh, the grip of the of the COVID nineteen virus is spreading around the state. From you know the the Met, Detroit metro area, through, you know, to other areas. So I think it's prudent uh, to uh, to to do what she's doing. Look, this social distancing that we're engaged in is incredibly painful economically and you know you're going to talk later to uh an expert about the education situation i had a conference call with all the my superintendents yesterday and my goodness Mm. how difficult for our kids but we've if we want our economy to come back and if we want to save lives we've got to first of all slow down the spread of this virus flatten that curve and the governor's trying to do just that, and I applaud her for her courage in doing it. Okay, so last time you were with us, which was last week, this package that is being finalized in Washington was still coming together, and there was still a lot of wrangling to figure out what the final product would look like. Are you happy with where we have landed with uh, this stimulus? Yes and no. I mean, I'm so grateful that we were able to transform it uh, 180 degrees from being pretty much a giveaway to large corporations with very little oversight to putting the vast majority of the money towards 
workers, families, and small businesses. And uh, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, on the other hand, there were a lot of things that were left out. Uh, for example, there's a significant amount of assistance uh, for this for state governments, tribes, and local governments of populations of 500,000 or more. <laughs> However, I, on Monday I had a conference call with all of the municipalities, the 21 villages, townships, and cities in the 9th District, and they are going to need a lot of help, and none of them have 500,000 or more people. So mm-hmm. we've got to do that. Uh, it didn't include saving the postal service or helping our postal workers. It didn't include um, a requiring OSHA to issue an emergency standard to protect our health, frontline health care workers. So there was a lot of tremendous help in many, many ways, and yet there's clearly more work to be done. So, so uh, just some of the things that you pointed out there, I think, can be described as a partial list of some of the things that I think we're going to have to start thinking about if this goes on for as long as it, it, it appears that it might. For instance, you know, governors starting to say it's going to be June before we get back to any semblance of of normal life. You know, I, I, I wonder if you feel like Congress is acting with the urgency it should to deal with those things, many of which are things that are not sort of front of mind. I mean, the post office, which you mentioned, I think people aren't sitting around thinking about what this kind of paralysis in the economy does to something like the post office, which, of course, runs on a pretty thin margin anyway. Is Congress doing what it should be doing at this point? I mean, I think if you know, nothing's perfect. Uh, I think that Congress's response to this is unprecedented. I mean, we, we've passed three major pieces of bipartisan legislation. First, on, I think in the House, November, I mean, on March 4th, we passed our $8.3 billion uh, funding for the public health response. And, and um, then we passed the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and finally, you know, we 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 did whatever we had to do. I mean, for me, it was a thirty-hour solo round trip driving to Washington, just because I wasn't about to expose myself with my own. You know, I've got immunocompromised kids and stuff. So, but we went and passed the largest uh, economic relief package in the history of our country—two trillion dollars—to help individuals, workers, families, small businesses. So I think that Congress is uh, responding uh, fairly quickly and fairly well. My concern now is can the federal agencies and the states digest what we gave them and get the money out? Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, we provided $1,200 for individual, $2,400 for a couple filing jointly, for people who make under $75,000 as an individual or 150000 as a couple, uh, and $500 per kid under 17 in cash right now to just that we must send out to people. However, when will the IRS and the Treasury get that money out? And I'm very concerned that it may be inequitable uh, that, you know, people who file directly, direct deposit, get their money direct deposit, 
I think there are about 60 million filers like that, and I think they'll get their money first. But I'm concerned about the seniors who don't pay taxes and are on fixed incomes. Mm-hmm. They're going to get the money. I'm concerned about poor people who may not you know, file like that or have direct deposit. Um, and it, if it's weeks and weeks before they get their money, those are the people who need it most, Stephen. So we're trying to work with the the states and the and the administration to make sure that the unemployment assistance gets out as quickly as possible, that the small business assistance. I mean, what we did on unemployment and small business both is unprecedented. Really, we, we we're doing things we've never done before in terms of, like for small businesses, forgivable loans, basically grants to mm-hmm. keep their payroll going to help them with their rent and for a you know small business. I um, mean, we could talk in detail about the unemployment stuff if you want, but these things now have to be managed by, uh, you know, by the federal and, and state agencies. So we want to work with them to see that that happens just as quickly as they can do it. My guest is Congressman Andy Levin, a Democrat who represents Michigan's 9th District in Washington. We're talking about the federal stimulus that is on the way. Relief is coming for people here in Michigan and all around the country, thanks to what Congress has done. But give us a call and tell us what you'll do with the federal stimulus money. Are you going to use it to pay bills to get through the month? Is there something you plan to spend it on? Or do you plan to save it or invest it? Also, give us a call and tell us how important this is to your family during this time. We especially want to hear from you if you're facing some sort of financial hardship right now. Do you think the government is doing what it should be doing to help you out? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Um, Andy, before we get to listeners, um, there's some reports that infrastructure spending might be a focus of yet another stimulus bill. I wonder what you make of, of that approach. We've seen that before in the Great Recession. We tried to, to use infrastructure spending, get the economy going again. Is that something we ought to be doing right now? It absolutely is. Um, it takes a little bit, obviously, to you know pass laws to get infrastructure projects going and then to get them moving. And that's going to be a great way to put a lot of people to work. These are good jobs. And to do what we need to be have a better functioning economy, a more efficient economy. I mean, if we don't have good roads, if we don't have well-functioning sewers, um, if, we, if we don't have mass transit and broadband access, um, I'm particularly interested as the vice chair of the House Education and Labor Committee to make sure that the big school package of infra- on infrastructure is included because so many of our schools uh, have major deferred maintenance. There's billions of dollars of it. And every bit of this that we take care of uh, makes us a, more, a better functioning uh, economy, uh, healthier schools for our kids, uh, a better learning environment. Um, but we, so we are working intently on... Uh, on infrastructure, and I certainly hope uh, that we can do this. I mean, gas prices are an all-time low. The federal gas tax, which is tiny, you know, mm-hmm. hasn't gone up in ages. 
And also, the borrowing cost of the federal government is very, very little because interest rates for, are, you know, are almost nothing. So uh, we need – this is the time. Tough times are the time for the uh, government to get about putting people to work and uh, building up a, a, a solid infrastructure so that the private sector can run effectively you know, over the long haul. Hmm. Let's go to Tracy in Ann Arbor. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. Go ahead. So um, I'm calling about a situation my mother is actually in. Um, she um, went, she bought a house in Florida or got a purchase agreement on a house in Florida with a lot of earnest money down. Um, her house actually sold in Rochester Hills, but they backed out in the 10 days um, guarantee. Well, right then the whole COVID thing went on and she can't even show her house. And they only have like um, 60, they got an extra 60 days in Florida. But if the governor shuts down for another 70 days, that, that purchase agreement, they'll lose all their earnest money. It's like a, just a catch 22 is a bad, you know, a bad time. Timing is all off. Yeah. Um, she wants to go through with it, but they're not going to, you know, they don't seem to be wanting to acknowledge the problem there in Florida, and we can't go forward here in Michigan and right. sell the house. Uh, Tracy, the, uh, I think that's a great point to bring up, which is that there are many, many different kinds of iterations of the troubles that people are going to run into because of this, because when you freeze the economy, all kinds of things that people were expecting to happen might might not happen. Uh, Congressman, I wonder if you can kind of address the, the real estate question, the, the, the world of real estate, mortgages, the things that are, are going to be tougher to maintain, I guess, in people's lives as we go forward. Right. Well, Tracy's mom has a kind of a unique problem. Uh, and all of our in, in, email inboxes are flooded, aren't they, with emails from airlines, stores, banks, you know, assuring us how they're going to help us. Mm -hmm. And Tracy's mom is in a situation where she really needs them to come through and realize, like, okay, this is a, this is a situation where someone got caught up trying to coordinate two real estate transactions, as you do if you're buying one place and selling another. And, you, you know, people need flexibility on both or they're, you know, a normal person can't, you know, handle a situation like that. If the transactions go awry and, and they can't do anything about them for weeks and weeks, what we did in um, in the CARES Act, the, the, what we just passed last weekend or on, on Friday for the House, and then the president signed, um, we did what we could on mortgage forbearance and uh, preventing evictions. We we did it in for homeowners with FHA, uh, USDA, the, the Agriculture Department, and VA or um, Section 184 mortgages. These are the ones that we can control. So, and Section 184A is uh, for rec uh, federally recognized tribes as well. Um, mortgages backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, people have the right to request forbearance on payments for up to six months of possible six-month extension beyond that, covering fees, penalties, any extra interest. Um, and, you know, for renters who are renting in buildings that have federally backed mortgages, we can directly 
you know, affect those too. But I think we're going to have to go beyond that to protect renters. And then Tracy um, raises an issue. It, it just shows the way this affects the entire economy and all transactions. This is an issue I haven't even thought about. People caught up in transactions mm-hmm. that are canceled or overwhelmed by the situation. So I'm going to have to look into that about what we could do to sort of require financial institutions to, um, you know, help people who are who whose transactions were messed up by the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those kind of gap issues that. Uh, that you don't get, you, you don't necessarily think of right away, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of things like that that come up uh, as as we get into this. So I'm really glad that uh, Tracy called and and pointed that out for us. Let's go to quickly to David in Royal Oak. David, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, go ahead, David. Yes, uh, I feel a little. Consistently asking uh, this question, but uh, things have changed since I've, I last uh, asked it. It was last week. Um, I am a senior citizen. I turned 65 in. I turned 65 in November, and uh, I have uh, SSDI and SS, SSI and Medicare and Medicaid. I do have. Uh, direct deposit. Uh, Will I be receiving the stimulus check and will I be in the first wave, second wave, third Mm. wave? Will everyone that is on uh, uh, Social Security now uh, be receive the, uh, the check? Will people on Social Security disability receive it before? That will senior citizens receive it on the first or second wave? Yeah, great questions, David. Thanks very much for the call, Congressman. There's a lot of folks in that category that David's talking about, wondering about how they fit in. David has called us a couple times over the last couple of days, really asking that question. And uh, I think you're probably the person to to give him an answer. Yeah, well, let's all thank David because he's – his persistence, he's speaking up for millions of Americans. Yeah. And I just have to tell you, Stephen, the Democrats insisted that relief go not just to people who paid taxes last year, but to everybody, uh, everybody. And we weren't able to get absolutely everybody in there. For example, uh, the you know, it, it covers... The children under 17 get families get $500, but what if you have an adult dependent? Um, you're not helped by that. And there are issues where um, the, the Republicans refuse to help people who are in the country working and maybe undocumented. Well, but even their U.S. citizen children can't get the $500. So there's there's various categories left out. David, you're not one of them. All you should, you will get the money. All seniors who um, are U.S. citizens, anyway, uh, will will get the money. I can't say for sure whether you'll be in the first wave or second wave because I don't control the IRS. But what we were told yesterday was that the IRS is going to try to get 
um, money out to everybody who has a direct deposit account with them within, um, you know, about two or three weeks from now. And my, as I said earlier, my concern is, well, how long after that will the rest of the people get help? So I hope you're in the first wave, David. And let me just say, uh, Stephen, anybody, I mean, David happens to be a constituent of mine. Don't worry about, people don't know the boundaries of their congressional right. district. <laughs> right. Anybody who's concerned, you know, can call my district office, which is 586 498 7122 and we, uh, no one's in the office for safety, but every hour during business hours, we are picking up the calls, distributing the messages out to the right person to handle them. And also, uh, let me say that we are doing a telephone town hall tonight at 6 o'clock, where we'll also have um, public health experts with me, and we'll be talking about all this, and you can go to... Uh, www.andylevin.house.gov, and you, the phone number to to call in and everything are there. Andylevin.house.gov. So seniors are included. Social Security, Social Security disability, all those folks should be getting uh, should be getting checks. Yeah, I, I quickly want to get another caller in here who has a really specific question for you, Arnie, in Troy. Go ahead. Hi, hi, Congressman. Thank you for taking my call. I've got a college, a son who's a college senior. Seems like he gets nothing. He gets, he doesn't get the twelve hundred. He doesn't get the five hundred. Doesn't get unemployment because he hasn't had a job, and yet he's going to graduate in the time of the most depressing job market ever. Hmm. Great question, uh, Arnie. I'm glad you called. Uh, Congressman, what's the answer there? Arnie, my brother, we're in the same boat. I've got a college <laughs> senior who is uh, all of a sudden at home uh, finishing you know, his thesis uh, and his classes uh, remotely, and you are right. We, uh, we, dependents, we have dependents, right, that we file for who are over uh, 16 uh, a lot of times. We don't get the 500 bucks for them. Um, um, if, they're, if they are themselves uh, a, t- a taxpayer who's been working and they're over 18, though, uh, they do get the assistance. So it depends a little bit on whether they're dependent or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if... if, if you know, a lot of people in college, right, don't have enough family support to be a dependent, right, Stephen? I mean, that's so right. many people. Sure. So those folks uh, should be able to get the $1,200. So it sort of depends on your exact family situation. One thing I can tell you, Arnie, is that one of the pieces of unfinished business, uh, there is some help for student loan borrower, borrowers in here, but not what we wanted in the house. And so... That is one of the many pieces of unfinished business that we are very intent on improving in our next package. So I hope, you know, we'll have to get agreement, of course, from the White House and the Senate on that. And uh, but we're, we're going to push very hard for it. OK. Andy Levin, Democrat, who represents Michigan's 9th Congressional District. Always great to catch up with you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Stephen. Keep up the great work. Yeah. And you take care. 
Up next, we'll find out soon whether the rest of the school year is going to be canceled. Meantime, we're going to talk with the dean of the University of Michigan School of Education about what that would mean for students, teachers, and families. Stay with us uh, for more Detroit Today. Thank you.